Welcome to the mikvah.org podcast. The mikvah organization has been dedicated to the education and resources for Jewish family life since 1975-5735. You can support our vital work at mikvah.org forward slash donate. Thank you for your support and enjoy today's recording. Welcome to Mikvah.org podcast for Chodesh Sivan, answering your halacha and ashkafa questions. Hello, my name is Etika Borenstein. I live in New Haven and Shlichus. I teach in Cheder Chabad in New Haven, and I'm also a Mikvah.org certified Kal teacher. I also give review classes in Tarasa Mishpacha here in our community in New Haven. I'm going to answer some of the questions that were sent to Mikvah.org. And I do want to make it very clear that if you ask the question and I didn't answer your question in a clear way, if you still have a question on it, or if you didn't ask any question and you're just listening to this podcast and you're hearing something different from what you're doing till now or something new and not familiar, please consult with a Rav or a Mashpia or a Kal teacher to know how to go ahead with that information. It is Ashkacha Pratis that we're addressing questions that have to do with Tarasa Mishpacha in the week of Chag HaShavuos. Sporting Shir Hashirim, the Matantayar is also called Yom Chasunasa, the day of the wedding of between Hashem and us, B'nai Yisrael. And we know that uh, a, mar- a Jewish marriage and the whole relationship between a husband and wife is compared to the relationship of Hashem and us, B'nai Yisrael. So it is Ashkacha Pratis that we're going to discuss in this week questions in Tahar Samishpacha. So I will start with the first question. The question that came in, question number one, is I feel uncomfortable asking a mashpia for personal guidance and intimacy ashkafa because I feel it betrays the privacy of our marital relationship. I also don't want to ask my husband if he's okay with me asking a rover a mashpia. What would you recommend in my situation when I have a ashkafic question? So I would like to address first the second part of the question, which you say, I also don't want to ask my husband if he's okay with me asking. So why don't you want to ask your husband? It is very important to develop in the marriage relationship a safe and comfortable place to be able to discuss anything that has to do with the topic of intimacy between you two. Because if the husband or the wife find themselves um, confused or without the right guidance in the ashkafa and physical intimacy, the whole relationship becomes uncomfortable and unsettled. So it is very important to be able to develop the ability to speak about this topic with each other. That's number one. Regarding the part that you're mentioning that you feel it betrays the privacy of your relationship, so really, uh, I would like to take a twist on that, actually, and, uh, and bring out an outlook of if, if, it, if it's for the benefit of your shalom bias and for your relationship, benefit of your husband, or of the whole relationship to be more wholesome, it's the opposite. You're doing it, letoivas shalom bias, you're doing it for, for shalom bias. And um, yes, sometimes a husband or wife feel the need 
to speak to someone, to get guidance from a Rav or from a Shpia, from a, from a Kal teacher or a Chassan teacher, without the other spouse knowing, but it's coming from a place to just feel more uh, confident with what's going on. Um, if it's coming from a place of you going behind his back and there's no trust, then there is an issue. But if it's coming from a place that you really uh, are sincere about the Shalom Bayes, I look at it, I, I take the example of a medicine. If you want to give a child a medicine and the child doesn't want to take the medicine, uh, a parent will try to do anything for the child to take the medicine and they would put it in, a, in sauce or in applesauce or in a yogurt or in juice or in anything. So you would say, what, they're cheating the child? No, for the benefit of the child, we're doing something sort of behind his back. So it could be also the husband is no gabadavar or the wife is no gabadavar. And it's hard for them, they're involved. It's hard for them to stay out of the picture and look at it as a, as a, as a picture, of, as an outsider. And if you feel lost and confused, this is the right thing to do. Because sometimes it could be the one spouse doesn't see an issue with a certain behavior or a certain, uh, it could be Allah or Ashkafa, doesn't see an issue with it or doesn't think there is an issue with it. So if you feel uh, not okay with something, then it is important to speak to a Rav or to a Mashpia. Having said speaking to a Mashpia, I actually want to elaborate a little bit on, about that. If you have a mashpia that you spoke to before you got married and you were comfortable with, but now that you're married and you feel a little bit not comfortable to discuss that part of your life, it's okay to take someone else just for that topic. It could be your college teacher. It could be another mashpia that you talk to her about Tarasa Mishpacha things, or it could be someone that you respect in your community or in the Tarasa Mishpacha community that you would want to consult with. And it doesn't have to be necessarily your own mashpia on that. Because it's important to speak to someone. We know Chazal bring the Daga If someone has a, a worry in their heart, they should speak to another person about it. And regarding speaking to Arav, I'm sure it was brought up over here in many times in questions in the past. The importance of being in touch with Arav about, in general, it's crucial for a couple, for Yiddish house to have a relationship with Arav, but especially when it comes to Tarasa Mishpacha. I do speak to people, to women, and I find that women have an easier time asking questions Sarah, when it comes to Efsektara uh, questions, Shiva Nikim, uh, preparation for mikvah, actually to Vila, and sending Mars, sending Bidika cloth to Arav, they, they don't find it um, an issue that much. But when it comes to physical intimacy, women tend to be a little bit more shy and feel shame with their questions. And I do want to stress and say that this is part of the role of a Rav. This is part of Tarasa Mishpacha. If it's not the part of Tarasa, the peak of the whole relationship, and a Rav is here to guide you and help you and make things work for you and tailor uh, uh, the psak for your needs, both your husband and you. And sometimes if we look at it as if a woman has to go to a male gynecologist or a male specialist in the woman, health uh, in the woman's health field then even if it's uncomfortable you push yourself and you just move forward and so I think it's important to have that in mind question number two. Oh, sorry I do want to add that uh, you can always mention to a rubber to your mashpia I'm calling you regarding a question without my husband knowing or vice versa without my wife knowing it's totally, uh, let them decide if it's okay for them to continue speaking or not. 
Question number two. How do I know when it is, it is permissible to have relations during the day? Often I'm very tired at night, especially during pregnancy, when intimacy can feel sometimes more routinely versus fun and special with full desire. And it can feel like the end of the day doesn't help me be in the right mode. But it feels like tiredness, not being in the mood is a shallow reason to have intimacy during the day. How should we do intimacy during the daytime? I know that risk of Zara Levatala is a reason to have during the day, but outside of that, when is there room for it? Or is it something we should rearrange our day to avoid it? For example, take a nap, etc. So again, I'm gonna to go to actually the last part of the question that says, um, is it something we should rearrange our day to avoid it? So regarding, is it something we should rearrange our day? Yes. It is born in Shulchan Aruch, in Siman Reish that intimacy takes place by night. There are also reasons according to Kabbalah, but Halacha brings it that that is the time that intimacy takes place. It is brought there in the same place. Uh, it speaks about intimacy during the day with certain restrictions. So should you rearrange your day not to have relations by day? Yes, this is the right thing to do. I do want to add though, that there are times and there are situations in life when a couple feels that it's too hard for them to, to be together only by night. And it could be for any reason. It could be for uh, having a job in uh, night hours, uh, night shifts, or pregnancy, or pain, or fertility treatments, or tiredness, for any given reason. That's why there's room for it in halacha to speak to a rav about it and see how can the rav help you figure out uh, the best option for you. And it's also important to ask a rav, is it a heter forever or is it something only for this specific uh, time in your life or this specific stage? I will add also that uh, when you're asking in your question that waiting for the night, sometimes you're not being in the mood of it, so it's something that it takes uh, would require a little bit some work. You will have to maybe bring yourself to be more calm. If it's a good shower, reading something, taking a nap before. But it's definitely something that you should try to avoid and work your schedule around it. Question number three. I'm experiencing a lot of trouble. I'm 41 and have a copper IUD. I seem to heavily stain for about a week before my period. And it often comes with pain. I feel like doctor has been quite quick to push a hormonal IUD or hormonal birth control. Is this premenstrual bleeding typical for a copper IUD? And if it is, at what point do I need to worry about keeping a vesesa goof, which I mean, I guess the calendar. So assuming that you got a heter from a rov to use uh, birth control, that's number one. I will say that bleeding um, with a copper IUD is something that happened to many women. It does take time for the body to get used to a foreign object in your body. And that's why there is more bleeding and especially in the beginning of it. Most important is to first check by a doctor to see if there's no other hormonal issue that's going on, or maybe the IUD was not placed correct, or maybe your body is rejecting it. So it's very important to speak to a rob if you experience, to a doctor, I'm sorry, if you're experiencing it. And if you checked everything and you still have this bleeding, it's something you should speak to a rub and see what you could do. It really depends on how much you're bleeding. 
And I do want to say that many times women uh, um, tend to exaggerate really what they're experiencing, what they're feeling from the actual reality. I'm not sure exactly why, but I do uh, find it. So, so when you're writing, you're heavily staining. Um, it, it depends what you, what's heavily staining according to halacha. And that's why I think the best solution is that the next time you're experiencing it, you should really work closely with a Rav and uh, document to him over the phone or if you could show it to him and then work it out and see what is it exactly all these staining. When are you considering um, starting the actual flow of your period, etc. And after saying all that, I do want to mention, which is very, very important. There is an amazing organization. It's called Taharenu. It's a Tahara professional organization that helps um, helps with any <clears throat> any woman's health issues. It could be with uh, um, questions regarding mid-cycle staining, excessive bleeding, shorter or long cycles, uh, pregnancy, uh, any birth control questions. Um, they're trained halakhically and they're trained also medically. They're not doctors or rabbanim but they know who to refer you and um, they know what to advise you to do. And it, they have a hotline. I will mention the number. It's 1-888-565-3628, 1-888-565-3628. And the organization is called Taharenu. And even for what you're describing in your question regarding the staining, they have great solutions to help you with what to do with staining throughout your um, period times. Question number four. Is it okay to sleep in the same bed during Veses HaChodesh or Arina Benonis? So the Alter Rebbe, Shulchan Aruch, that what, that's what we follow is Chabad Chesedim, brings that uh, all calendar nights, a couple should not be intimate, no hugging, no kissing, and not sleeping in the same bed. Question number five. I remember my college teacher saying you stay together for 30 minutes after being together, but my husband often falls asleep or wants his space to go to sleep. Is the 30 minutes just a suggestion, nice idea, or is it something more? I would love to have that time together, but don't know how much I can ask for as our busy lives make it already late at night. Interesting question, because it's not broad, it's actually doesn't, it's not brought in halacha regarding a specific time to stay in bed with each other. What's brought in halacha is that halacha writes that a husband should stay with his wife in bed for a little bit after they're together, um, just for the woman not to feel that the passion and the love that he has for her is, is finished as soon as they're done with the mitzvah of being together. So that's, that's what brought, that's, that's what's brought in halacha. Um, also, women that are trying to conceive and get pregnant, it is better for them to stay laying down for a few minutes and not get up right away. So regarding a specific time, it's not written anywhere. And I would say it's not, it should not be something that should make your relationship complicated. So even if you don't, even if one of you doesn't want to stay for a long time, as long as there's healthy communication between each other, so it's not usser. 
So if a, if a woman has to get up to nurse a baby or if you have to get up to use the bathroom or for anything, there is no halachic issue to get up, especially if there's the right communication with each other. And if a woman feels that she needs it, she needs it a little bit more than open communication. She could say for a state of resolution, she would be happier if her husband stays with her and that would make her more satisfied. Question six. Is it normal that after three years of marriage, there is still zera coming out when my husband goes out after mitzvah aina? So I don't understand so much from your question if zera still comes out from your husband or you feel that zera comes out from you, um, if it's from your husband. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm asking you, why, why does your husband go out if he still has zera coming out of him? If it's not in his control and his Ava comes out, then maybe you should speak to a doctor and find out uh, where to go with that and uh, how to get help with that. Or maybe and also speak to Rob at the same time and find out what to do when it comes, when, when, when that's the situation. But if it comes out of you, it's very normal and it's very natural that it comes out of you after you are being together. I do wanna add that, a, in general, especially in our days, there is a lot of support around the whole topic of intimacy. A lot of support, a lot of help, a lot of therapy. There's a lot of awareness by Rabbanim and you should never feel alone. And if you have any questions regarding that, you should always turn out, turn for help. Mikvah.org slash referrals has a, an amazing list of different places you can turn to almost in any topic out there. Question number seven, what do you do when your husband wants to try different positions for intimacy, but I am very uncomfortable with doing so? While in the back of my mind, I know it may be okay, I can't help but feel wrong when we do different positions. So I would like to actually address this question in a different way. And I feel like there's a very, uh, it's a very essential question actually. And I, I, I don't want to get into the detail of the question. I want to get to the general of the question. You're, ask, you're saying over here that your husband wants to do something that you are not comfortable with. It. So it's similar to a little bit to, to the first question that I was answering. That communication over here is the key. And it's so important, not only important, it's crucial to be able to speak with each other in this topic. Because if one spouse is behaving in a way that you feel uncomfortable for any reason. It could be for physical reason. It could be uh, emotional reason, ruchnius reason. It's very hard to be present. And then when you are quiet and you just put it aside and don't talk about it, it backfires. And you can feel resentful. You can feel resentful during the actual time you're intimate. And after also, it's important for the spouse for you here, I'm speaking to a woman, but even for a husband, it's important to speak and, and say what bothers you. At the same time, it's also important to find the balance and find out where is that uncomfortable feeling coming from? Is it just because it's something personal preference, you're not comfortable with it? Or is it because you're not sure that it's the right hashkafa, it's a haga? So it's important to identify where is that feeling coming from? 
And if you're going to consult with someone or speak to a Rav or to a or to your college teacher, could be that would help you. Either it will help you to feel more comfortable and understand that there's not a problem with that specific behavior or the opposite. You can understand, yeah, there is, there is an issue with it. And then you have to discuss with your husband and see how to go, um, to go about it. We have to remember, it's very important to remember that we live in day and age that a lot, a lot of us are influenced by technology, by the technology, by places that we work in and that influence we bring to our house and especially to our bedroom. And we have to identify also where are those requests coming from? Is it coming from a place of Kedusha or is it coming from a place that you're trying to connect in a wholesome, in a real way? And a lot of time, the indication will be uh, after being together, how you feel after, if you feel wholesome and good, or if you feel mm, not so okay with it, or even during. And uh, just recently, I was talking to someone, and she said that for a while, they had, a, they had questions in, in intimacy, and they were not comfortable asking. And as soon as they spoke to a rub and asked about all their hashkafa questions, everything else calm down and they felt at ease. So it's always important to find out uh, where is it coming from and what could you do about it. Regarding that specific questions with position, uh, again, it's a very individual question. You have to speak to a and see what position and why, what's the reason behind it, and then see what, what a Rav can do with you, with your question. Question number eight. Why did Hashem make it difficult for a woman to climax just from penetration? Interesting question. First of all, I would say that I'm not Hashem's secretary. So I do not know why Hashem made it difficult for a woman to uh, climax just from penetration. In my humble opinion, I could say what I could think of, that we see that in general, women uh, take longer to connect and they connect more on the emotional level. And the husband connect easier on the physical level and faster and I, I see it as a gift for the relationship between a husband and wife that the whole intimacy life becomes a, a wholesome shared experience together with quality time with the opportunity to get to know each other in a very real true way we are in a generation that we want everything to be fast and easy and instantly but if we're going to if we're going to look at it with a different perspective, and we'll be able to see the, the bracha in it. Because if a couple will reach their climax as soon as they start connecting with each other on a physical level, then the disconnect will be very fast also. And a lot of times you can feel um, disappointment. Disappointment. And I look at it that Hashem is kolotayv, and it's a chesed that he does with us, that here we have the opportunity that we should invest in our physical relationship in order to have a, a healthy marriage. And we always have to remember that the greater the effort, the greater the reward. And a lot of times I like to mention to, to women that the investment cannot start from the bedroom. Investment has to start before you get to the bedroom life. Um, it starts from the morning of, it starts, if you are in the Nida, Nida Tahara stage, it starts from when you Nida, anticipation, 
words of, of uh, looking forward. And uh, it's important to, to invest in that. Question number nine. During a long NIDA period, postpartum, my husband shared with me that he had watched Nat's music videos. He's ashamed to talk about it with his Nashpia. What can I do to help? So first of all, I would like to start and say that the situation that you find yourself, it's not an easy one. Postpartum is hard enough as is. And to hear such information, I'm sure that it doesn't make it easier. But I want you to know that you're not alone. And it is a real struggle in our days, especially. It is great that your husband came forward and he's open to even receiving help. At the same time, I am not a professional and you're not a professional. So since he turned to you, I think it's important for you to tell him that you still respect him and you didn't lose the respect for him and he didn't become smaller in your eyes, but, and you appreciate that he's coming over to you, but you're not a professional. So the best option is to look for the professional guidance in this area. And like I said earlier, mikveh.org slash referrals has a great list of different resources that can help in all these topics. Thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's recording. Please take a moment to leave a rating or a review to help others find the podcast. We welcome you to support our vital work at mikvah.org forward slash donate. For feedback, please email podcast at mikvah.org. Have a wonderful day.